Hello, everybody. It has been a while since I've given a proper intro to this show. Um, that is just because I can never think of a good intro to the show, so I'm just going to jump right into it. How's it going, Paul? It's going lovely, mate. We have a special guest today. It's Chris. I'm here, yes. And we're talking about Another World. Another world or out of this world, if that's the version you grew up with, like I did in America. Yes, that is correct. Um, actually, the funny thing is, I think I always grew up with it being out of this world, and I haven't heard it referred to that in many, many years. So I actually kind of forgot which one is the f- title I'm more familiar with. You're sort of like, they're both equally uh, inhabiting space in my brain now. So I think Another World is sort of like the version I bought on GOG, and that's sort of become the title now yeah i kind of made the transition myself finally calling it by its uh proper name i suppose you would say was it the proper name like was that like the first one another world was originally what it was called um when it was made but then when it came over to the u.s they changed the name i believe because of a tv series that was called another world so uh, they said, no no you have to change it because there's this soap opera that's called another world so let's change it to out of this world so that's what they did is it anything like the game because i would totally watch that i don't believe so no damn it <laughs> not in the slightest <laughs> <laughs> not not n- <clears throat> not that i've watched it rick i'm just saying that i, I do not believe it is related they, they have a lot of the same fan base that the soap opera mm-hmm. and the game oh is, right so it's... there's so much crossover <laughs> they thought you know whenever they had the reunion conventions they just they just put them together. Everybody goes to the same place. So what you're saying is that the Another World TV series is as close to the Another World game as Maniac Mansion TV series was to the Maniac Mansion game. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's about that level of correlation. Um, in fact, I think there was also, they they had another sitcom called Out of This World. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. With Tim so... Allen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it just kind of keeps rolling. So, I don't uh, know. It, so is it now, like, out of another world? I don't know. You know, you could probably make a website that generates you some sort of combination of uh, another <laughs> world, out of another world. Secret. Even has, like, a, a Santegu on top of one of the letters. <laughs> <laughs> world with two dots over the O. Yes, and by the way, that's French for fancy. Is it? I, no, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Damn, I was hoping. Uh, <laughs> does look fancy though anyway that game that we was talking about it's all right is my comment on it <laughs> all right and <laughs> no it's a cool game it's a I, I first played it on uh sega was it master system i guess it was probably the genesis i'm going to guess the genesis, oh, genesis. unless yes. it came out in that weird period of time when it was when games are kind of coming out on both and you had like the was... really chopped down version on the Master System and then like the actual version on Genesis or something like that? Uh, yeah, oh, well, I appreciate you trying to make that work for me, but it's probably just my <laughs> shit memory. <laughs> it could be the case. It still could be. But yeah, I'll go with Genesis. Another World didn't come out. So I think he originally wrote it, uh, Eric Chahi, the creator, wrote it on the Amiga in the late uh, ni- 1991, I think it was. Um, so that definitely would have been Genesis Mega Drive era. Was a full on. I actually don't. Re- I'm not. I don't remember any dates of anything that ever happened in my life. We're not used to having real facts on this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, I, I don't mean to take the reins, but I could talk a little bit about the re the release time. Um, Go for just because it. it's relevant to my memory. We, this show um, could use a little professionalism now and then. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you know, we don't, uh, we're not really big on, on piracy. Uh, but but when this game Lord, came no. out, <laughs> when, when the game came out, uh, which I guess in America for the PC would have been sometime in early 1992. I'm making an assumption since it was developed on the Amiga. It came out uh, in, in late 91. And I had acquired Star Trek 25th Anniversary for the PC, mm -hmm. uh, which is a really great adventure game. Absolutely. And my friend down the street had bought Another World. So Another World and Star Trek 25th Anniversary were basically the two games that we swapped with each other. Uh, and so that was how I got my first experience of another world. Um, and so that probably happened sometime in early 1992 because Star Trek 25th anniversary, the 25th anniversary was 1991. Or so, was it? Oh, right. Blah. Yeah. I know, <laughs> the, I know the game came out in 1992, uh, 25th anniversary that is. Uh, but I don't know when the actual 25th anniversary was, was it 1991? Yes, ah, I think yet. it even has. They had an official twenty fifth twenty fifth anniversary emblem at the top um, that had the dates on there. Um, I see. That's how I know it was nineteen ninety one. So it it came out on its twenty sixth anniversary. <laughs> it's a lot of math at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, like that, we can uh, we can add up the uh, the years of the anniversary for Star Trek. I guess on another <laughs> separate <laughs> podcast. But... We're going to have an episode in which we do only that. But uh, in any case, this would have been early 1992 that the two of us would have made this swap. So the games would have been relatively new yes. uh, at the time it was done. So, but connecting it back uh, to the, the memories of, of Sega, etc., it's been ported on numerous platforms uh, over the years. So I think it was like ported to every platform ever by this point. It would probably be quite up there. I mean, Doom has been ported to many, many, many things, and I would say that Another World is is right up there behind it. Yeah, it's even on like iPhone and everything. It's, it's everywhere. And um, that's that's my fact for the day. You can Google it. Take it <laughs> home with you. <laughs> uh, that'd be weird. Like, have, did you actually try playing? Like, is it actually on the iPhone? Like, have you tried playing it on an iPhone? That'd be kind of it is. Uh, I haven't tried playing it, um, but it is on I iOS that the developer.emu um, has like, I have no mouth and I must scream and uh, just a, a lot of really sanitarium, a lot of really cool games. That was one of them. I think mm. I own it, but never played it like some weird hoarding OCD thing where I felt I needed to be able to have it if I right. ever wanted to. Because I issues. played Another World like just a couple days ago for the first time in a few years. I just played it. Uh, I just decided to challenge myself by playing on the hardest mode. Uh, and um, it was really hard because it was already really hard on easier modes. But uh, uh, I also found just like the controls was... There were, I mean, controls are controls are fine, but it was, just, it was still kind of a little bit awkward just using a keyboard again. So I can, mm. can't imagine playing it on like a touchscreen. Yeah, it, it, we joked about it a long time ago, but there's so many games get ruined because there's a like 
ghost keys, you know, like the, the uh, transparent arrows or, or whatever. And you'd be playing the game and then you look down and your fingers like five inches from where it should be just tapping away at nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's really frustrating when you, you know, big, my big fat thumb's got to cover up like three quarters of the screen. But mm-hmm. anyway, it is, yeah, it is ported all over the place. And, um, the, you know, I guess one, one cool f- thing about that game is it really benefited from a, a remaster. You know, that's always kind of, mm-hmm. uh, it does it it's a 50 50 like sometimes games really benefit other times it's like whatever but that game looked awesome um especially uh, i was looking at comparisons a couple of weeks ago with a, a guy on youtube who sat way too close to the camera i hate when they sit really close to the camera <laughs> <laughs> it's like in my own little personal space um we, we deal with that anyway. problem by not having cameras yes exactly <laughs> we can be as obnoxious <laughs> as we like visually um but no it's uh it's it's just one of those games where we're uh, like sometimes I don't necessarily need like pixel art that was done well to be remastered, but this game just really benefits from it. It, it was such a, for, especially for a platformer, it was such a um, like scenic game. The mm-hmm. environment was really rich. It was like cool like cutscenes of the scenery in that game, so it benefited mm-hmm. from the uh, remake. What'd y'all think playing it? Like especially at the time, like it was uh, it was quite a cutting edge game at the time. That's for sure. I I definitely felt that it stood out from most other games that I played at that point in time especially on the PC. And relatively speaking, if you think about 1992, I mean, by this time, the Super Nintendo had been out uh, in America for maybe maybe half a year, I guess. Mm. So, and the Sega Genesis had been out just a couple of years before that. And I, I didn't have a Genesis at that point in time. But just seeing the atmosphere of the game and having a different feel playing it versus... So many of the other games that I had played before it was a lot of fun. I felt that it it had an atmosphere to it that, you know, as somebody that was playing a lot of Sierra games, you know, at the time and enjoying the adventure game setting, I thought, wow, this is really amazing because I feel that I'm pulled into this world, but it's more of an action game Mm -hmm. rather than a puzzle solving game, even though there is puzzle solving in another world. It's totally different from your typical adventure. Mm hmm. Uh, typing text or point and click for for me i mean i i just loved it because i was such a huge fan of prince of persia so this was basically prince of persia but sci-fi just that alone like solidified it already it's like going to be one of my favorites pretty much by default like prince of persia but sci-fi it's like that's awesome it doesn't hurt that um i've actually for quite a while now uh decided that another world had like my favorite video game gun of all time because <laughs> it's an awesome gun and like just mechanically uh game mechanically speaking it's just it uh, uh you tap the button to snapshot hold it slightly to build to uh build a shield and then hold it longer for a shield breaker and it's um and just it's elegant in its simplicity it's just like that that's perfect for a, a, a platform puzzle shooting game it was fun to have a single weapon that could basically basically be used in three different ways. Yeah. To shoot quickly, and of course it's a, a laser pistol, right? Mm-hmm. To make the shield, and then of course to do that large wall-blasting charge that it can do. And in addition to that, when you first pick it up, it actually does a brief cutscene where you see Lester, the main character reaching down and picking up the gun and 
that was different. That was something that I hadn't really seen. And it turns out that the way that he did that was with rotoscoping. So he made that gun out of wood, uh, I think, and did some art on the side with paper and shot it on a, on a camera, uh, VHS tape, I, I think, and then digitized it, pulled it into the Amiga, and then rotoscoped it, and then put it into the game. And so when you see Lester's hand reaching down and picking it up, and you're like, wow, that was that was really cool. That's actually Eric Chahi's hand and gun that he's shot over and over, picking up the gun and then saying, oh, this is the one I'm going to use. And then he adds the polygon graphics over it and put it into the game. And it's only for a few seconds when you first acquire that gun, but I thought it was totally worth it and really adds a lot to the game. Much like your knowledge of that adds a lot to this episode. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> A real life Sorry, story. I've just been a fan of the game for just oh, a really long absolutely. time. absolutely, and that's why we uh, wanted you on the show because uh, without you, <laughs> I think Paul and I would already be already be done. <laughs> yes, I did, did. I mention it's on iPhone. That's my that's my note. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm I'm just here. Like I really like this game. <laughs> uh, you know, one one of the cool things about that game was how uh, like I remember. The, Speaking of what you were saying, Rick, specifically, it was kind of ironic or coincidental, I should say, that I was lured into playing that game by me, bruv, because I was told it was a lot like Prince of Persia. Because, um, you know, I was just a kind of diehard PC games, and he was always on the consoles, and I was like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll give it a go. And it was really cool, because, uh, and then as, as you mentioned, Chris, it was like uh, the, the adventure elements. Like, I didn't look at it as, it as an adventure game, but as a, you know, a platformer, a, a proper kind of what i considered a console game at the time but it had cool like adventure parts to it like the, the little cutaways of scenery and the puzzles and, and things like that so it was a cool hybrid uh yeah like like you said rick putting prince of persian space and then adding some ad adventure game elements um mm. it was just different and i remember being like the first time i played the game my one memory of it stronger than anything else is being thrown into the game not the game made an effort not to tell you how it, how to play yeah. From what I recall, you're just well, kind of thrown in. You have to figure it out as you go, and that was cool for like immersion. That. Even better than that, it was like it was a game that uh, I I think very similar to Alone in the Dark, where a lot of times you kind of only really figure out what to do by dying. So right. it'll yeah. like it'll throw you into the game, and it won't even tell you that the cutscene is over. You'll just know because you died. Right. And yeah. 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 <laughs> so you got to know next time not to die. And that's how you know that the game has started. It's it's funny, on that subject, if you watch the intro to the game, the cinematic, which is great and, and sets up the atmosphere, and this is I mean, this is not giving anything away to anybody that's that's watched it, but as soon as the game starts, after the events that happen in the open cinematic, you start in this pool of water, basically. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do anything you die immediately. You sink to the bottom, and there are these tentacles that come up and like and pull you down. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you finish watching the cinematic and you sit back in your chair and say, "Wow, that was that was that was amazing," you know, as soon as the game starts, if you haven't recovered and said, <laughs> "Oh, I got you know, I got to play," you die instantly. But the good news is, you can of course continue, and the continues are unlimited. Yeah. And the great thing, too, is that even if you do kind of, like, figure it out, you have to have figured it out within, like, the first two seconds. Like, there's no real right. way you could have figured it out in those two seconds. Because if you don't 
if you just suddenly decide, oh, maybe I should do something, it's too late. You're dead. Like the tentacles have already yeah. like caught up to you and pulled you down. You're gonna start a game by mashing on the keyboard or whatever. It's, <laughs> no, it's a general tactic. It's funny. It's it's like a theme of of recent uh, because uh, uh, Alone in the Dark starts off with that beast coming through the window, not as quick, but pretty quick, unexpectedly quick in the beginning, and then Enclosure has that bloody helicopter in the beginning. So it's, it's a weird, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, theme but yeah that's it is kind of cool everything good about that like we said about alone in the dark with that beast thing it just you know gets you really gets your kind of blood going and you get immersed and and kind of also terrified of the surroundings for not being able to trust it in other words when it's gonna try and kill you next especially since like probably my favorite part of the entire game is once you do escape the tentacles at the beginning and you climb out of the water you have like about three seconds before the tentacle catches you anyways and pulls you back in. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that when I would play it with my friend, like one of us would be playing on the keyboard and the other person would be doing live reactions to everything (laughs) that was happening to the other guy. So if you, you know, if the tentacle was coming out of the water, the other one would say, watch out, watch out. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, or if you're getting chased by the beast, you'd be saying, run, run, you know, which would just be adding to your yes. tension even more, having your friend next to you panicking while you're trying to remain calm and execute this crazy jump maneuver using a space bar. You know? so. That's awesome. That's so true. It's nothing better than having like a hype man behind your shoulder (laughs) right (laughs) and somebody to high five when you finally get past a really intense section of the game (laughs) yes exactly i think um i played it uh just for the for the sake of playing it for fun and i uh just streamed it on twitch for whoever was around and uh i think one of our um richard sampson who uh listens to this show probably our only listener so hi richard um, hey, mate. <laughs> he, he he was actually doing a, a death count for me in the sidebar in the little side chat and i think i gave up like i i well broke a hundred i don't think i was even halfway through the game but i just there's some parts where i died like seriously over 20 times just trying to get this one spot i think it was even like the first section i think i died like maybe 20 times just trying to get past the leeches and that's like the second screen or the third screen of the game. I think it took me like almost 50 lives until I actually got to the part where I picked up the gun. You know, so one thing that's kind of funny about an added an added difficulty part of the screen actually bounces a little bit when you first arrive and you're trying to get past those leeches. And my friend that bought the game and we would play it at his house, he had a... Packard Bell 386 like 25 somewhere in there it was right on the line in terms of being able to run this game smoothly right so whenever the screen would shake the whole system would slow down <laughs> as well which inconsistently slow down so the frame rate was would kind of jump all over the place and those kicks that you do you actually you have to have a, a bit of good timing yes. in order to defeat those those slugs quite well. So that was kind of an unintentional uh, added difficulty yeah. uh, to that point in time, which will most likely never be replicated because, of course, now it'll run on anything. Yeah. And even still playing it now, it's like there's a very narrow hitbox between the tip of your foot and the hitbox of the leeches. So if, like, uh, if you kick a little too soon, you're not ready to kick on time before it kills you. And if you kick 
when it's a little too close, you're basically just giving him your leg to bite or scratch so that you die. <laughs> and it's the timing is really, uh, really precise on those things. Did you always kick standing up or did you duck down or did you do a combination of either? I did whatever I thought could possibly try to get past those things. I mixed it up because I was just like, I don't know what to do because uh, if you crouch down and kick, you get a lot more distance. But again, mm. if they're if they're already a little too close, you're basically just feeding at your leg. It's tough times right from the very beginning. You gotta get you gotta get used to those controls. And there's like um, uh, going back to like the whole you kind of have to die to figure things out. There's like one little spot where you go into like a uh, you fall into a little tunnel that you gotta roll around in, and it's like a little bit of a maze. So, but you, it's dark, so you can only see like a little bit around you. So when you come across like the edge of a little pit that drops down, you do not have the visibility to see if it'll be a safe drop or de- or instant death. And the only way to find out what's, what it's going to be is to drop down and see what happens. <laughs> the deaths in the game were very entertaining. They, they, were, <laughs> they were always gruesome, especially whenever you would use the laser pistol and you would shoot someone, they would turn into a charred skeleton. Yes. Uh, and then they'd crumble and you'd hear this, 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 this crumbling sound effect to it when their their skeleton crumbles and if they were ducking down at the time and you shot them and they turned into a charred skeleton their charred skull would roll off <laughs> first and then the the the, the rest That's of the right. skeleton would ex, would explode which i mean when you were in sixth grade that is that is the best thing ever you're yeah. just sitting there just laughing at everything you see that's like that I mean, I remember how mind-blowing it was just playing Mario 1 when you step on a mushroom and it actually squishes. So, seeing, like, when you actually shoot, like, shoot this thing and it turns into a skeleton, like, the skull rolls off. That Yeah, that was pretty, uh, that was pretty spectacular. <laughs> I was, I was a, a lot eas- more easily impressed back then, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right, there was a first time for just about everything mm-hmm. back then yeah, as well. Yeah. You know what's also great, what I, I didn't really notice until I played again, like, just a couple days ago, is that there's, because um, I never had a sound card when I played it the first time, and there's a setting, uh, which I obviously turned on in the uh, GOG version, where you can either play um, enhanced sound or the classic sounds. So I, of course, turned it to classics. I wanted to hear what it originally sounded like. And there's one part, I can't remember if it was that same maze or somewhere else, but I fell a very long distance, and it just landed with the most sickening sounding thud as when my body hit the ground. And I was just like, man, is that what they had back then? Like, that's a disturbing thud. <laughs> they definitely wanted to have these gruesome sound effects, very yeah. intentionally wanted to have them. And apparently Eric Chahi said that we were like, we would buy these, these, these nuts and crush them, you know, and stick a <laughs> microphone up to that and, and just all kinds of splattering. I think they used some ink on a paper as well and maybe splattered, you know, to try to get all this, all these yeah. just various sound effects and anything they could and, and, and work it in into oh, the game. Oh, man, yeah. Even hearing it for the first time just like a couple of days ago, I was blown away. Like, it was just, uh, it was fantastic. I actually winced at that part. It'd be such a cool job to come up with the uh, sound effects uh, like that, as you were describing, like mm-hmm. ink on a paper. So you got to get creative. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, kind of disturbing, like yeah. I feel like that maybe the mad scientist type that like to work in the dark. I feel like that's kind of 
Exactly. If you figure when you do it, you might get a good recording of something that sounds pretty good, but then you stop and you say, but is it gruesome enough? You know, and then you find that you need to do it again and again and again, and then you you have 10 or 20 takes and you say that one. That's the one I'm going to, you know, digitize and, and, and use in the game. Uh, it is a game that you can play. You know, I talked about playing with a friend. It's a game that you could certainly play with an audience watching because in addition to the puzzle solving, I played it again in college and you talk about the the gruesome deaths and the sound effects. <laughs> we Like somebody would be playing it. I think this was kind of a couch type situation. Three other guys sitting around and all the guys, whenever the player would die, they'd all go, oh, you know, cause it, <laughs> it was always gruesome. So, so you always had somebody in, in, in the room, you know, several people that were just like, you know, find the most gruesome death that you can and then die. And then, you know, finding ways to be entertained by failure. Well, it's really, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really good that it was entertaining to die in that game because there's a lot of that happening. <laughs> Trial and error is a huge part of another world. That's for sure. I don't remember the, the save mechanics in that game. How did that work? passwords uh they yes. had at least for the pc version as a matter of fact the passwords were so the game is not really that long but because of the puzzle solving that's involved you could be stuck in one place for a really long time and i remember the same friend that that owned the game loaned it to me we played it together etc back in the day years down the road we would bring up another world and we'd, we'd say, man, remember when we were playing Another World? And, and, and he'd say, yeah. And there'd be this pause, and then he'd go, XDDJ. And I would say, XDDJ. Like, we would talk about the password we had to type in the most often, because that's where we were stuck for the longest period of time. You know? <laughs> and it's something which would totally work well with passwords, because there's no real variation in how you would uh, in where you would be at that time so it's like uh you know you know you have a gun and you're at that right. screen that's all you that's all it needs to remember so uh in magazines at the time uh my parents had a magazine store and i think like all of them had like the full list of passwords in the cheat sections because magazines had cheat sections back then for exactly things like this and you just like list out all the levels and the and the password and um right it was basically just like a bookmark in terms of your progress of the game. The design of the game I really like because you don't have to really backtrack a whole lot. So for instance, maybe you get into, if, if we were to call them chapters, the divisions where each password is. If you get into chapter two, you might be, you may have to trek all the way to the right and then all the way back to the left and then say, oh, I should have done this first, etc. You die, you try again. But once you figure out chapter two and move to chapter three, it's kind of like the door behind you the proverbial door just shuts and you said, okay, well now I'm on chapter three. Everything I need to know is right in front of me. And you, and you, and you go from there and solve the next section. So I really appreciated that. Whereas, you know, in Sierra games, sometimes you'd have to think, oh man, I really, I missed something way, way back here. I need to reload and, and progress forward again. But another world pushed you forward. Mm -hmm. Or RPGs. That's a very common yeah, very common RPG um, issue is people coming back to a game after a while and just being like, so what was I doing? I have, yeah. Um, so, uh, ha have we all finished the game? Yes. 
Yeah, we have. Okay, what did you think of that? Uh, spoilers for anyone who would be spoiled by this, but uh, what did you guys think of the ending of the game? That's a very deep question, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of one of the most weird, like, weird in a good way kind of endings. That's just sort of like the game just kind of ends. There's no real, con there is and isn't kind of a conclusion to it. It's almost like Loom in that way where it's just kind of right. like, oh, I guess that ends and I'm sad now. It's got a black, like a black mirror sort of ending. So uh, I guess desolate for, for anybody that hasn't played it or doesn't remember at the very climactic scene of the game, Lester, you, you fall uh, off, off the edge of this cliff area and you were, you were caught by one of the hostile aliens who, who then proceeds to, to kick you in the head and uh, you are badly injured and your friend your extraterrestrial friend that uh, has been your buddy throughout the whole game, for the most part, comes in and starts beating up on this guy as you make your way in this huge dramatic scene. You, you have to crawl your way over to these controls and time it just right so when he knocks your friend off and your friend is hanging on to the edge of this cliff and he walks over there to finish you off, you kill him with this laser beam. And the two of you beam out, so to speak, uh, using the transporters of another world to the top and climb on on board this the back of this huge bird creature and he your friend picks you up and the two of you get on this bird and he flies off into the background and it says the end and that's it and it rolls the credits so basically <laughs> that's where you're left hanging like well okay, uh, I guess I'm still alive and this buddy of mine is going to take care of me and we've escaped all the bad guys, but but what now? But it's funny because I feel that the ending, while it, it doesn't it's it doesn't really seem like a happy ending at all, um, you know, you're relieved that you're getting away from the bad guys, but at the same time, your character is obviously in terrible condition physically and you're wondering, well is he ever going to get back to earth? Like where, where does it go from here? But I found that it, it also made me just think back on the game that much more because there are games that I'll complete and I'll put a controller down and there are very few of these, but some of them really hit me. I'll put down the control controller and I'll say, wow, that was, that was a really good game. And that was one thing that I did for another world. And I felt that the ending mirrored the feelings that I got for better or for worse, the best way to put it, the feelings that I had as I played through the game, just because it felt so different than everything else. So to get an ending like that, a different ending, a not, a non-definitive kind of dark ending, felt like it fit really well with the game in itself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think I just sort of, it just the term popped into my head now. I just sort of thought I would describe it as pleasantly bittersweet. Because mm. it was not a bad ending like i didn't feel like unfulfilled by it but it just sort of left with that kind of like uh kind of uh, uh sort of sort of feeling for me at the end where it's just kind of like I, I don't know if it's just by me making it up i kind of always felt it was heavily implied that you're pretty much like uh i feel i seem to think like maybe your back was broken and you're like pretty much crippled now i don't know if that's like uh definitive or if i'm just um making that up in my head but i just sort of uh I, I just always imagine like you're crippled. You're now under this guy's care and you're never going to get home. Cause like 
it was pretty much a one-way ticket. It's not like there's any sort of hope of you ever getting back to Earth. And the the game was basically just surviving your first situation on a hostile planet. And that's it. Now you're in a slightly less hostile scenario, but you're crippled and you'll never get back home. It's been a long time since I've played it um, uh, on the Sega. Um, so, you know, it's like 15, probably plus years. Um so that being said, my memory is even more fuzzy on the game than you gentlemen. But that being said, kind of akin to Rick. Like, I don't remember specifics like a back being broken, but I, I do have, I, like, when I think back on it, I, I feel like I felt like the character was more worse off. Or it was implied that things things were something dire, like, like yeah, like he was broken or, or whatever. But um, So it gave me kind of a darker interpretation of the ending but it, uh, as as you alluded to chris it was cool that that the ending was a, a good reflection of the spirit of the game which is like you know you you felt like you kind of been through hell and that's where your character would be like ragged barely hanging on sort of thing your character lester in this game if you think about it in the very beginning of the game he's he's a professor the only language that you actually see is from a machine it's either from a machine when you arrive at your lab and it says, good evening, professor. I see you've driven here in your Ferrari. And then later when you hear the aliens speaking. But essentially, apparently you're you're a professor with this really fancy lab and you have a Ferrari. So you would assume that life is good. Life is okay. You're there. You're doing your thing. You open a, a drink, you know, and you start drinking it while you're running the simulation. And then you're zapped into this into another world and you go through all kinds of things that are are not part of your everyday life for sure you don't have it easy <laughs> you don't have this ferrari you don't have food you're just trying to survive so i never really thought of it like that and and the way it progresses i i feel that when they add your friend which i believe is a major part of the game having this companion i thought it's really fun that you you meet this alien that you have no way of communicating with except for instincts, you know, pointing and the two of you understanding the situation that you're in. You it you feel very alone in the game, yet you have this this friend, but at the same time, and I learned this from the commentary, Eric Chahi said that when you m meet this friend of yours, who is completely different from anything that you've ever seen before, even though you now you now you have someone who is fighting alongside you, it actually increases your feeling of solitude. Right. Because you have no way to communicate with him with language. You are that much more aware with this person you hang out with that you are not among any other humans. And of course, by the end of the game, you are now potentially permanently disabled and not only do you have this alien friend who you can't really communicate with alongside you but has now become for mm. better or for worse your caretaker yeah because now you're dependent on him right and i don't know have any of you guys played the sequel the sequel to another world is called heart of the alien and it actually takes place at, immediately following the end of another oh. world it was it was not made by Eric Chahi. Um, they actually said, "Hey, this game was really good. We want to do a sequel. What should we do?" And he said, "You should tell the story from the standpoint of the alien, the friend 
that Lester makes in the oh. first game. And Shahi's intention, I believe, was to basically do another world. You play through the same events of another world, except you're playing as, as the him. alien. Mm-hmm. So while Lester is going through and firing at all these guys, you have your own obstacles that you're having to do in the background. The two games weave together. And yeah. that was his plan. But when he said that to them, they interpreted it as, oh, we should pick up the very end of another world and continue. So you actually land on this, you know, from this uh, falc, this giant bird looking thing, get off and he takes you into this, this hut where I guess basically is his village that, that's been pillaged by the, the evil aliens that are there. Um, and he lays Lester down on this bed, and then you have to go off and play as that alien. Um, so although it's not, I assume Chahi wouldn't consider it canon, but nevertheless, it was a sequel that picked up at the end of Another World. And I'm not sure, I don't know that he outright criticized it, but I think that he felt that Another World had its own set of, of bookends, and that it wasn't really meant to be this big continuing story, that the ending yeah. of Another World was profound enough to basically say, okay, hey, this is the end. Mm-hmm. No sequel, mm-hmm. you know. Any, uh, so any last thoughts on Another World slash Out of This World? Mm, I kind of want to try the sequel now. I know the, the, the <laughs> just despite, you know, his, his distaste for it, that is kind of a cool angle. Um, anyway, that's my final thing, I guess. <laughs> is, it a, is it also a platformer? Like, is it in the same style of Another World? It is, uh, it's, I believe it's Sega CD exclusive. I'm not sure if they've ported it oh, since. Oh, I see. Gotcha. And the weapon is uh, similar in style. You do have platforming. The weapon is a whip gun. Yeah. Type, type thing, like an energy, energy whip. So, and it still uses the same polygon based graphics on a, on 2D backgrounds. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Chris. Why don't you take a couple of minutes to uh, plug and promote everything you do? Because I'm pretty sure people who are listening now are probably not the same people who are listening back when you were first on the show. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I run a YouTube channel called Displaced Gamers. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Displaced Gamers. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. My YouTube channel tends to focus on uh, the eclectic bit of gaming. I have a series called Facets of the Gem, one of which uh, the games that I've mentioned uh, include Another World. So feel free to check that out. I also have a few technical videos about how televisions work and that sort of thing. It's quite a quite a mishmash of content there, So, but I'd appreciate if you would drop in and check out Displaced Gamers on YouTube. And as you can probably tell from this episode, Chris actually like knows what he's talking about, unlike... <laughs> our show here (laughs) where we just kind of wing it so um yeah it was great it was really great having you on chris it was great having um information (laughs) (laughs) well thanks for having me absolutely anytime come back we'll definitely have to have you again and uh, definitely seem that much more professional (laughs) yeah no thanks thanks for chris for being here and and all the things rick said plus don't do murder 